morning, as we kick off a new year, um, I wanted to speak to you about being expectant. And about being expectant, particularly in the area of prayer, we'll get into that in a moment, but I realized it's a way, way easier to say we should be expectant than to be expectant. There, there are going to be challenges we're going to face. There are going to be uh, trials we will go through. But in all of those things, when I look into the Word of God, there's one thing that is a pattern in the life of believers, is that they were always expectant. And I want to be careful in saying being expectant, being expectant around what God has said and around what God has promised. This is not just being expectant everywhere and everything and trying to be positive. And I know there are people around uh, here this morning who are more positive than others. Some are more negative than others. Some look at life more differently. But as I look at the pattern in God's Word, there is one thing that you will notice about believers. They were expectant about and around what God has said and what God has promised. And that's where our expectations need to be focused. And if, if, when, I, when I begin to look into the Old Testament, I see an incredible model of expectation in the life of Abraham. And you remember that uh, when we come to, to Genesis and chapter 11 and chapter 12 and chapter 15, we discover the first recorded conversation we have. It's actually in Genesis chapter 12, and it's not going to be on the screen, but let me read it to you, where God begins to speak to Abraham. This is what he says, leave your country, leave your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. And then God says, and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. That's in Genesis 12. If you read backwards into Genesis 11, it says they left the the city of Ur and the land of Ur and and they moved out to the land of Canaan and Sarai, his wife, was barren. Now God is saying, I'll make you into a great nation. In Genesis 15, we read this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. He said, don't be afraid, Abraham, I'm your shield, I'm your very great reward, says the Lord. Abraham says this, but God, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my state is Eliezer, of Damascus. And Abraham says to the Lord, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then God says to him, look outside, look at the heavens, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord. And I want you to just think about this because it's so easy to read the Bible and say, wow, this guy had such a lot of faith. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Every day, Abraham and his wife Sarai would have had to focus on what God had said as they got older and older and older and nothing was happening. Just think about that. And we get, eventually get to the stage where, where, where Sarah says to Abraham, maybe, maybe what you need to do, maybe God's promise means you're going to have a child, but it's going to be with some other woman. And he goes to, to Hagar and, and he has a child. And God says, that's not what I promised you. 
And, and then the, there is that visit of the angels to Abraham and says, where, where the angels say to Abraham, about this time next year you will have a child. And Sarah is now listening to this. She laughs and says, that's impossible. I'm way too old. And it's easy to talk about being expectant when everything's going well, isn't it? But it's another thing to be expectant when we trust in God for a miracle. And we're believing in the promises that He has given to us. Now, as we go into this year, I want to ask you as, as God's people this morning, let's trust in the promises that God has made, in what God has said to us, not on the climate of our country or what our friends are saying. Because we get so influenced by the things that are happening around us. I know I do. I know that I do. I get very despondent when I look at things going on around us. But even for myself, I need to say to myself today, I need to be intentional about expecting God and what God has promised that He will do. Because God is faithful. Now remember, in Luke's Gospel, we read the account where the disciples came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, we want you to teach us how to pray. And then we've got a very, the briefest outline there of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Better word is the disciples' prayer. And, and, and then Jesus, he, he gives this, this what we know as the model prayer to pray. But then he doesn't stop there. He said, I want to instruct you a little bit further when you come to pray. And this is what he does. And before we read it, I want to just explain to you what he does. Because it's very interesting. What he does is he starts with an account of a man who went to his friend at midnight because he had an unexpected guest, had no food, couldn't be hospitable. So he goes to his neighbor next door, who, by the way, is a friend of his, starts banging on the door, and he said, I need three loaves of bread because I've got a friend that's just pitched up, and I need to be hospitable to him. And you remember that, like you and me, you would have said, please go to sleep. I'm asleep. My family's asleep. Don't bug me in the middle of the night. And, and this guy just keeps on being persistent. And eventually, and, and, and it's something I've never realized about the story, that the neighbor to save face, because that was a society where people didn't want to be shamed. To save face, he gets up, he gives him the three loaves of bread, and then goes back to bed. So that, Jesus starts with that, and I was like, what in the world has that got to do with prayer? Then he goes on and he says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will be found. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then he goes on and he go, and begins to speak about fathers who give good gifts to their children. He speaks about a dad when your, your child comes to you for food. You don't give them a scorpion. You don't give them a snake. He says even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. And then he finishes it off and he says... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So that, that's what Jesus says. And He's teaching something about being expectant in prayer. So let's read it. So then He said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight. And he says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I've got nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. 
My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness. Now, that word, I actually looked it up because I thought, I wonder what Jesus was really saying over And what he's saying is because this man kept persisting. Because of this man was unashamed in his asking that the, the friend eventually gets up and he gives him the bread. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say, says Jesus, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, please say that with me, everyone, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks the door will be opened. And then he goes back into speaking about fathers. Which of, your father, of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, so what Jesus is saying as he speaks to his disciples, he's saying that our expectations need to be grounded in the Word of God or grounded on the Word of God, whichever way you prefer to take that. In other words, he says, when you as my disciples begin to pray, you should expect God to answer the prayers that you pray. We can't expect God to do what he hasn't said. But we can expect God to answer and fulfill what he has said. And, and again, I do want to make this appeal as we go into 2020, because I think it's going to have to be something quite intentional. Let's not build our expectations on what our friends are saying. Let's not build our expectation on the climate of our country or the economy or whatever. Let's begin to build our expectations on a God who has promised us. We're living in a we're still living in a sinful world. It's got, there are many temptations we face. We still have to deal with our fleshly nature, but this one thing I remind you of, we are no longer slaves to sin. The power of the enemy over our lives has been broken. Amen. Come on. That is so exciting to me, to know that we are sitting here this morning and each one of us can say, the power of sin has been broken through the cross. You are free. Do you know that you're free this morning? I mean, that is amazing. Isn't it awesome to know the power of the enemy, that the dominion of the, of the enemy over your life, over my life, is broken in Jesus' name? Isn't it amazing to know that the Spirit of the Lord is within us. Have you ever thought of that? As you are sitting here this morning, as I'm sitting here this morning, that God Himself dwells with me and in me? That is profound. Let me read some scriptures because I, I want us to be focused on what God has said in the Word. Romans 6, For we know 
that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we will no longer be slaves to sin. Because anybody that's died has been freed from sin. Amen. Colossians. Paul says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, talking about the enemies, talking about the demonic. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through his death on the cross. John says the reason of the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. And 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, you know that verse so well, greater is he who's in you than he who is in the world. Our expectations governed by what God has said, by what Jesus has done, and who we are in Christ, and we can be confident in this. Listen to this verse, 2 Corinthians 1. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. That's the spirit in which we pray. Amen. That's the spirit in which we pray. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ. Not because I'm good enough. Not because you're good enough. Not because the climate's right. Not because the economy's right. Not because he's the president. But because God is faithful to his word because of Jesus. Expected. Expected. Now, when it comes to being expectant in 2020... I think there's something very significant that stands out about what Jesus is saying over here. And it's very simply this, don't give up. Let me put that slide up. Don't give up. I think the one thing that we all have to work through is the fact that in our culture, when there are challenges and when things get really difficult, persevering, pushing through and embracing hardships is not highly valued. And, and I want to point this out because I've become very conscious of that. We're living in a society where everything needs to feel nice and feel good and feel right. Have you noticed in the Bible that when you look into New, New Testament Christianity, we discover that hardships and trials are actually something to be valued? Have you noticed that? I mean, just think about what James says in chapter 1. Consider it pure Joy when you face trials of many kinds. Who's faced a trial during the past year? Put up a hand. Let me see. Some of you have. That's really great. Well, I think it's great because James said it's great. Listen to what he says. You know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. One of the things I've discovered that I'm sure you have as well, that often in the middle of the trial you don't see that. 
But afterwards, when you look back, you say, wow, how I've changed. How God has changed me, how I've matured, how I've grown in perseverance and maturity because I've been through that. What about what Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 1? He says, in this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I want to promise you something. Your faith will be tested during the year ahead. Guaranteed. Don't give up. We are constantly reminded That our lives are in God's hand. That God is with us. And when we persevere in prayer, we see God's will being done. I want to put that out there. When we persevere in prayer. So, let's go back to our scripture. Ask, what does that ask mean? And keep on asking. Many of you know that. It's ask and keep on asking and it will be given. Seek and keep on seeking. And we live in an instant society where people easily give up. They easily throw in the towel. But Jesus tells us to persevere in prayer because God is faithful. Now, one of the things, Alan was speaking a little bit about New Year's resolution. So, the end of last year I decided... It's time for me to get fit again. So I got my bicycle. It's been hanging there since I came to Cape Town in the garage. Took it in, got it serviced. Looks all great now. And I went for my first ride. Terry said to me, how was that? And I said, it was absolutely terrible. And isn't it amazing when you see these pictures of guys cycling, the muscles are rippling, and they're looking with a spark in their eye, and there's the sense of excitement. Nothing of that happened to me. I was just saying, Lord, get me to the end. But I share that with you for a reason, because it's only when I began to cycle that I realized how unfit I was. And when Jesus is speaking to his disciples about pushing in and pressing through and persevering, you only discover that you need to be fit to be able to do that when you do it. It's only when you begin to pray and keep on praying, ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, you discover it's not as easy as what you thought it was. And we need to be spiritually fit. I think God's calling us this year to be spiritually fit, to be able to go the distance. Do you you remember the story of that in 1 Kings chapter 18? We were talking about rain and praying for rain a little bit earlier on. Did you remember in 1 Kings chapter 18 what happens? Is Elijah the prophet? There's been a drought for three and a half years. They went way past day zero. And he goes and he he begins to call on the Lord, Lord, I want you to send rain. And he sends his servant away and says, tell me what you see in the sky. Come back, said, I see nothing. Second time, third time, fourth time, six times, I see nothing. And you know what Elijah kept on doing? He kept on asking. 
Friends, that's perseverance. That's believing God. That's keep where we keep on going to God. And Jesus is saying over here, God will answer our prayers and God's will is done when we pray. And then Jesus concludes his teaching. And he says to his disciples, there's one thing you can expect when you pray. And you can expect God to give you the Holy Spirit. And, and we're all familiar with the scripture. If you read it in Matthew's version, you'll see uh, it says, and how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to them that ask you? But what he, what he specifically means, and Luke draws this out, is, is that Jesus is saying God will give the Spirit to those who ask Him. And the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning, remember for those disciples that Jesus was speaking to, this is what they would have heard Him say. Not what we hear Him say. They would have thought of, are you saying that when the Spirit of God came upon David, that can happen to me? They would have been saying, do you mean that when the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson, the Spirit of the Lord can come on me? Do you mean that when the Spirit came upon the prophets and they prophesied, that you're saying that's what can happen to me? When I ask for the Holy Spirit, I can receive the Holy Spirit because we often read this from our context instead of this. And Jesus was saying to them something mind-blowing. He's saying, each of you can ask me for the Holy Spirit and my Spirit will come upon you as He has done in the Old Testament and your lives will be different as theirs was different. That's what he's saying to them. Remember at that stage, the Spirit hadn't been poured out. And then you get into, you start getting into the book of Acts and you actually see the church beginning to pray like this. You begin to see in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus is saying to his disciples and to the 120 that are meeting together, he's saying to them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. And so they wait and so they pray. And as they pray, God pours out His Spirit. And you see these, these people coming out of this prayer meeting, empowered by God's Spirit, speaking in other languages, declaring the praises of God so that everybody understood them. We see when they start getting persecuted, they go back to prayer and they say, God, will you give us boldness? Holy Spirit boldness. And boldness comes upon them and they declare the word of the Lord. We're reminded of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so the, the New Testament church embraced this incredibly. I may, if, if I may say this this morning, praying prayers like this are guaranteed to be answered. Do you remember it was after Pentecost, after the outpouring of the Spirit, that the self-confident Peter, the man who says to Jesus, I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. Count on me, Lord. I'm here. See, the man who denies Jesus, the Spirit of God comes upon him. Do you remember how Peter died? He asked to be crucified upside down in honor of the name of Jesus. That's what Pentecost did to him. 
turned a self-confident man into a spirit-filled disciple. Did you, do you see what happens to ordinary fishermen and ordinary people who follow Jesus and they receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and we see what God is doing through the early church? Do you know it's through the Spirit's work that people are devoted to prayer, to fellowship, to God's Word, to breaking of bread? It's all the result of what Jesus said, pray for, pray for, that the Spirit will be given to you. You know that when the early church discovered you can receive boldness from the Spirit, every time they had a need, they went back and said, God, pour out your Spirit again. <laughs> Don't worry, this is family. So. But do, do you remember that when Peter stands up to preach for the first time, that people start getting convicted, the very people that had crucified Christ, are getting convicted and turning to Him and believing in Jesus. Do you remember when Peter goes to the home of Cornelius, to the Gentiles, where he should never have been going as a Jew? He goes there, and as he's starting to share his testimony of what Christ has done, about the resurrection, the outpouring of the Spirit, so the Spirit comes upon them, this whole group of Gentiles are saved and baptized. Do you remember... A church that got so concerned for the poor after Pentecost that the apostles said, you need to raise up some leaders to manage this because we can't anymore. I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he said, when you ask your father, how much more will your father in heaven not give the Holy Spirit? I don't think he was talking about us having a nice feeling. I think what Jesus was saying, I'm going to mobilize my church if you'll pray that prayer. You will see the gospel spread if you'll pray that prayer. You'll see people bold in the Holy Spirit if you'll pray that prayer. You'll see people who are selfless who pray that prayer. You'll see people who care for one another, who love being commun having communion together. Jesus envisaged, and so should we if we're going to be expected, that we don't just come to Sunday morning meetings, but we are part of another family. I mean, I think if I have to... Uh, Evaluate my life going back into my sort of BC days. And I would say like I was a very unloving person. But one thing I can say is God has continued to change me because of the Spirit of the Lord at work in me. I can't take credit for it. All I can tell you is it works. That's what Jesus envisaged for the church. 
People unashamed of the gospel, caring for the poor, listening to what the Spirit is saying, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles because of what God is doing. That's what I want to ask you. Let's expect that from God today. Let's be expectant going into the year that lies ahead. I'm absolutely convinced of this. We will not see what God says in the Scripture unless we pray that prayer, God, send your Spirit and do a new thing in us. Now, perhaps I want to finish off with this. When Jesus instructed His disciples to pray, He didn't ask them to ask once. He asked them to keep asking. Why? Because yesterday's grace is not sufficient for today. Yesterday's empowering is not sufficient for today. Yesterday's provision is not for today. Each day, we are to keep asking. We are to keep knocking. We are to keep seeking for the God who said, I'll give the Holy Spirit to those who will pray. And I remind you that, friends, this is not about a feeling or falling on the floor. This is about us being activated and mobilized for the sake of the gospel. South Africa needs to be saved. And interestingly enough, God's not looking for some superheroes. He's looking for ordinary people like us. Because God believes when the Spirit comes upon John Besson, John will do the works of Jesus. And likewise, for you as well. I'm very conscious of the fact that going into the year, we should not be fooled that it's all things are going to be nice and it's going to be great. It isn't. But God will still honor His promises. That's a guarantee. God will still do what He says He will do. But we need to be intentional about our part. I think we've got to pray. I think we've got to knock. I think we've got to seek. And we've got to keep doing that. And here's the, here's the closing words. Do you remember I explained to you Jesus used the picture of the friend going for bread at midnight and then on the other side he spoke about you who are evil know how to give good gifts. This is what God is saying there. What Jesus was saying over there. He's saying this. God is not a reluctant person who gives because keep, people keep knocking on the door. He's not trying to say that God is like the friend who gave him some bread because he kept knocking. He's saying God's not like that. He's a good father who gives to his people simply because they ask him. Because the promises are yes and amen in Jesus. And he's saying even more than that. Even though you have seen fathers giving good things to their children, I'm not like that. I'm better than that. Because I'm your God. And I love you. And I care for you. And I want what's best for you. And will you call upon me? And will you come to me? And will you, as my people, embrace this promise 
your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. So let's close the service by doing that. Can we? I, I don't want to be preaching messages that make us feel good. I want us to preach messages where we expect God to answer prayer. So let's pray. <clears throat> I want to preempt the prayer by asking you a question. A question is this. Would you like to be part of a church that was like the New Testament church, where people are devoted to fellowship, the word, breaking of bread, and prayer? Would you like to be part of a church like that? Would you like to be a part of a church where you and where I am know the boldness of the Holy Spirit we are unashamed of the gospel, even in front of our friends and family that sometimes ridicule us and want nothing to do with, the, with Jesus, that we would be given a boldness to be witnesses. Would you like to be part of a church like that? Would you like to be part of a church where daily God is adding to the family those who are being saved? Would you like to be part of a church where the poor are, are so blessed Because we're being so generous. Would you like to be part of a church like that? Would you like to be part of a church that when opposition comes, we say, we praise God for the privilege of suffering for His name? Would you like to be part of that church? If that is what you would like, because I know that's what I want, I, I must be honest with you and say, I'm tired of religion and talk. I desire to see what God has promised being fulfilled in the way that He meant it to be fulfilled. And I want to ask you, friends, if that's what you are looking for, that's what you are trusting God for, then the prayer is very simple. Ask your Father and He will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him. May I ask you, if that is your desire, that's your intention, would you be kind enough to indicate that by saying, Lord, I'm standing this morning because I'm trusting you. I'm coming to you with expectation today in Jesus' name. I want to take God at the word this morning. I want to take Jesus at his word. I want to trust in his promises. Believe in what he said. Maybe I'd love to do this. It's always a, a nice sort of prophetic gesture to open your, your hands and say, Lord, I'm coming to receive from you this morning. Lord, I, I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for us here as a church before you. Lord, we want to very humbly come before you today and say we desire to be the church you want us to be. We desire to see the th same things happening in our church as happened in the early, in the early church. 
We want to see, Lord, generosity that is uncontained. We want to see, Lord, fellowship in the way the Bible meant fellowship. We want to see, Lord, a devotion to your word. We want to see, Lord, a and Lord, a devotion to prayer. We want to see, Lord, a joy when we meet together. We want to see a boldness in our lives. We want to see a love for you, Lord. We want to see a love for one another, God. We want to see our neighbors and our families and our friends experiencing the work of the Spirit. Not what we can do, Lord, but what you can do. We desire that. We want to pray, Lord, that you will add people to this church that are getting saved during the course of this year. Lord, we pray for that. And we ask that because you said all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. Because Jesus, you have said, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to them? that ask him. And so this morning, Lord, we come not by feelings, but because of promise. We're not asking you this, Lord, around our feelings, not for a moment. Lord, we're not going to fall into that trap again. Lord, we're coming because you've said it in the Word, and you've prayed it in the Word, and I pray now, Holy Spirit, come upon us. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill us. I pray, Holy Spirit, give us boldness. I pray, Holy Spirit, manifest your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we'd be supernaturally loving. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we'd be supernaturally generous. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would manifest your presence in this church. We come expectantly and we say, God, will you do it? In Jesus' name, amen.